0: terror by radios Masters passengers
1: of the macabre. Stories of the supernatural, the supernormal, dramatized by the mystery of the unknown. We tell you this frankly, right, right. so if you wish to avoid right, like the excitement, of these mad men, we urge you, our laser, seriously,
2: to see turn off all now. Welcome back to the horror, Old Fashioned Fear, every Saturday at RelicRadio.com. Our story comes from The Price of Fear this week. A BBC series that first aired from September to November of 1973, returned in April to May of 1974, and then May to July in 1983, it starred Vincent Price, of course. Our story today is from April 20th, 1974, it's The Ninth Removal.
1: Price of Fear, brought to you by Vincent Price. Do you ever wonder what life will be like in, say, fifty years' time? I know I do, especially when I find myself becoming annoyed at some piece of modern tomfoolery. You know, the sort of thing, loud, mindless music being played unnecessarily in stores and restaurants. Checks long overdue because somebody's latest computer has made a mistake. This never seems to happen with bills, I notice. Well, I suppose we all have mm, little likes and dislikes connected with various aspects of modern living, but most of us forget them after a brief flash of annoyance. That is, until the next time. The point I'm making is that we don't dwell upon them continually and become obsessed by them, for that way lies madness. Take, for example, my story this week, which I've called The Ninth Removal. It concerns the case of Amelia Sidgwick.
3: These modern young girls, their clothes are an outrage. short skirts, low-cut blouses, lipstick, disgusting...
1: My first, and thank goodness, my only encounter with Miss Sidgwick occurred when I called to see an old friend of mine, Peter Jarvis, in connection with some research I was doing for a film script I hoped to write. Peter was the head of a psychiatric clinic, and as I needed some background material on psychiatry, I had arranged to call on him one day at his office. I had expected a cold, cheerless, institutional building, but when I arrived, I was pleasantly surprised to find that the clinic was more like a well-appointed country house. I was greeted by a pretty receptionist, told to make myself comfortable, and that my friend Peter Jarvis would be available in a few minutes. Accordingly, I settled back in an armchair and picked up a magazine. Suddenly, I became aware of someone hovering over me.
3: Good afternoon. Are you being attended to?
1: Uh, why, yes, yes, I am, thank you. I'm I'm waiting to see Dr. Jarvis.
3: Oh, that's all right, then.
1: She was a tall, thin, scrawny woman of about 55 or so, dressed in a severely cut suit of dark grey material. She had a thin white face with pinched lips and the most penetrating bright blue eyes that I have ever seen. Perhaps we would never have exchanged another word, but at that moment I happened to turn over the page of my magazine and in doing so revealed a full-page advertisement which showed a pretty, if overdeveloped, young lady wearing an incredibly low-cut dress.
3: Disgusting. I beg your pardon? That girl. Completely shameless. Just look at her.
1: I must confess that's just what I was doing, (laughs) looking at her. Now... You know, there are some people who have the happy knack of getting rid of bores and other awkward customers easily. Well, I don't. Perhaps I just don't like hurting people's feelings. You remember the rhyme of the ancient mariner where the old sailor stoppeth one of three in order to tell him his long and complicated tale? Well, I'm the one of three, and Miss Sidgwick, having held me with her glittering eye, just took off.
3: Of course, you know, the men are every bit as bad. They encourage that sort of thing. Why, only the other day, I was travelling home in the underground, when... God, how I hate the underground, crushed together in this awful atmosphere. I sometimes think that hell isn't a matter of fire and brimstone at all, but simply travelling forever on the underground, surrounded by awful people. Those men sitting there, so smug and oily looking, not one of them would dream of offering me his seat. <laughs> Pigs sitting there reading their newspapers, and what newspapers full of salacious muck? A headline there another sex murder victim found on common. Is it any wonder the way these modern girls dress? That one over there, crossing and uncrossing her legs. Oh. And that short skirt. Oh, she's smiling. Oh, yes, she's noticed that young man ogling her. I'd teach her. I'd take a whip to her. My dear father would never have allowed me to carry on like that. Dear father.
0: The devil's army is all around us, my child. Never forget it. You must fight it. Fight it with all your might. Never cease to fight for God.
3: I have fought, father. Oh, how I've fought for your stern god.
1: I sat there fascinated as Miss Sidgwick rambled on and on. At times she spoke clearly and precisely. At others she was almost incoherent with rage. "'Having at length described to me the trials and tribulations "'which she had suffered on the London underground system, "'she then went on to tell me about her work. "'Miss Sidgwick's employers had, it seems, been many and various. "'Her typing plus her sense of duty were beyond reproach. "'Employers might appreciate her work, "'but it seems to a man they were lovers of peace.' "'taking unkindly to criticism, "'and at length Miss Sidgwick was cast out, "'and with each casting out, her hate grew. "'One day, however, she joined a company "'run by a retired brigadier "'who had inherited his father's tea-importing business. "'The atmosphere was middle-aged, quiet and respectable, "'and the office staff adhered to the old ways "'of dress and deportment. "'As for the brigadier himself,
3: you see, the brigadier was a tall, distinguished, grey-haired gentleman with both good looks and charming manners. He was not married, he did not smoke, and he was always extremely respectful towards his female employees. He was what I should call a gentleman of the old school.
1: From her manner, I guessed that Miss Sidgwick was not in love with the brigadier it was just that she
3: worshipped him. Sometimes in my dreams I saw him standing a long way off on a hill. I saw myself running towards him, but the distance never seemed to shorten. In the same way as Father's God, he was always unreachable.
1: And so matters stood. Miss Sidgwick had at last found employment which suited her ideally and an employer whom she could more than respect. And then
0: one morning... Miss Sidgwick? Yes, sir. Will you come in a moment, please? Uh, certainly, sir. That's right, dear lady. Just come in and shut the door, will you? That's the ticket. Now, just take a seat. I have something to say to you. Now, the point is that I've decided to expand our little team. Indeed, sir. Yes, in fact, I've engaged the young lady. Excellent character. She's to join us on Monday.
3: I was not aware, sir, that you'd interviewed any applicants or even advertised the position. Er,
0: uh, no, 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 you're quite right. But this young person was strongly recommended. Most strongly. I see, sir. Needless to say, dear lady, I will look to you to see that Miss Franklin... That's her name, by the way. That she uh, settles in happily.
3: I shall do my duty, sir, as always.
0: Of course you will, dear lady. That goes without saying. The following
1: Monday morning began very badly for Miss Sidgwick... "'On the underground, a large man stood on her toe. "'He was rewarded by a sharp kick on the shins. "'But there was worse to come. "'When she arrived at the office, "'she found her fellow workers in a buzz of curious excitement "'as they awaited the arrival of the new girl. "'It was a tradition in the company "'that newcomers did not start until ten o'clock on their first morning, "'so there was plenty of time for speculation.' Miss Sidgwick, however, refused to join in the speculations, even when approached directly by Mr. Parsons, the firm's junior filing clerk, a jovial man of about 45.
3: Well, Miss, what about the new girl, eh? Do you think she'll be nice? No, indeed. I shall be greatly surprised if she is nice, as you put it. Oh, dear. However, as long as she does her work efficiently, I hardly think it matters whether she is nice or not. Well, I was only wondering what she'd be like, what... What class of person, you know. At best, I expect her to be tolerable. Good morning. Uh, Yes, Uh,
4: Miss, can I help you? I hope so. I'm Anne Franklin. I'm coming to work here.
3: I see. Oh, look at that. It's going to be a pleasure showing her the ropes. Mr Parsons, I suggest that you get on with your work. After all, you are being paid to do it. Uh, Miss Franklin, may I ask if that is your normal business attire? Attire? Oh, the gear. Well, it's all I've got. I mean, I've
4: got lots of clothes, but they're all like this. It's all right, isn't it? My last place didn't mind. This is a respectable office. I should hope so. Otherwise, I shouldn't have come to work here.
0: Ah, Miss Franklin. So you've arrived.
4: Good morning, sir.
0: My word, how fresh and smart you look. (laughs) Like a breath of spring, eh, Miss Sidgwick? If you say so, sir. Yes, I do, dear lady. And now I'll leave Miss Franklin in your capable hands. Yes, sir.
1: During the next few days, Miss Sidgwick could be likened to a lion in a cage with a succulent but stupid lamb, which the laws of creation had, for some reason, forbidden it to eat.
3: Oh, that stupid girl, flaunting herself, smiling at every man who comes within range... She even took to applying her lipstick during working hours. To this day, I do not know how I managed to restrain myself.
1: All these things might just have been bearable if it had not been for the girl's work. It
3: was awful. There we are. How's that, then? Mm, Oh, no, 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 no. This will not do, I'm afraid. There are six mistakes in this one letter alone. Oh, dear, you are fussy. And here, look. Three misspellings and last year's date. I'm sorry, but this will also have to be done again. (laughs) God, I've certainly
4: made a hell of a bloody mess of that one. (laughs) What did you say? Well, I mean, I've
3: made a mess of it, haven't I? Let it be understood, Miss Franklin, that foul language is not tolerated in this office, neither is blasphemy. Do I make myself clear? Yes, Miss. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, but you are a funny old stick.
4: What? (laughs) Nutty
3: as a fruitcake. This has gone quite far enough. I am going to see the brigadier. Suit yourself.
1: And so Miss Sidgwick stormed into the brigadier's office and there presented him with the full catalogue of her complaints against the pretty young newcomer. His reaction, however, was not quite what she had expected.
0: Alas, the youth of today, Miss Sidgwick, does not adhere to the principles we treasure. But you
3: do not see, sir. Blinded by your own goodness, you do not see. She bears her flesh, she paints her face, she encourages men. Why, Mr Parsons has hardly been himself since she came here. In addition to which, she cannot type.
0: I, too, Miss Sidgwick, deplore the lax morals and lower standards of this permissive age. But, dear lady, you and I can't fight the world. Correct me, sir,
3: if I am wrong, but surely a soldier who believes in his cause never ceases
0: to fight. True, very true. But when defeat is certain, he changes his tactics. He (sighs) pretends to surrender, infiltrates the enemy's ranks and becomes an underground force. Oh, but that... that, She insulted me. She
3: She should be cast out.
0: That, dear lady, would be to admit defeat. I'll tell you what. Ask her to come and see me, will you? You will chastise her, sir. Appealing as the prospect is, dear lady, I fear that I shall have to content myself with a reprimand on this occasion. Uh, Thank you for bringing the matter to my attention. Thank you, sir. And Miss Sedgwick? Yes, sir. You are my strong right arm. Never forget that. Oh, Uh, sir. And remember, infiltrate the enemy's ranks, dear lady. Infiltrate the enemy's ranks. Oh, yes.
3: Yes, indeed, sir. I'll remember.
1: For the rest of that day, Miss Sidgwick, it seems, basked in a golden haze, remembering the brigadier's words. You are my strong right arm, dear lady.
3: Oh, oh, I am. I am.
1: By tea time that day, Miss Sidgwick had even unbent sufficiently to spend a few moments chatting with Mr Parsons and Miss Franklin about the latest topics of interest.
3: Oh, no, 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 Mr Parsons. I don't think that sort of thing could ever happen here. We breed a much better type of politician. So much more background.
4: Listen to this in the paper. Another of those sex murders. A girl of 19 found brutally murdered on Wimbledon Common. This is the eighth victim to be struck down in the past two years. Ugh, gives me the creeps. Whoever does it must be kinky.
0: Poor girl. I wonder why so many of these attacks
3: take place nowadays. I can tell you. It's because these modern girls ask for it. Short skirts, lipstick, low-cut blouses. Is it any wonder they get assaulted? <laughs> assaulted, I can understand. <laughs> but murdered.
4: Ugh.
1: Miss Sidgwick was about to launch herself upon a lengthy and angry tirade concerning Miss Franklin and all girls like her when she remembered the brigadier's words.
0: Infiltrate the enemy's ranks, dear lady.
1: Isn't it strange how great disasters often have humble beginnings? "'A smouldering cigarette end tossed carelessly aside, "'and an entire building burns down, "'or a a cat runs across a busy street, "'a bus swerves, and someone is killed. "'Well, that night on her way home, "'Miss Sidgwick suddenly realized that she had forgotten her umbrella. "'Now, Miss Sidgwick, without her umbrella, "'was like D'Artagnan without his sword.' Her umbrella, apart from its proper use, was also invaluable on occasions for shin-cracking or rib-poking. And so, muttering angrily to herself, she retraced her steps to the now-deserted office. But was it deserted?
3: That's strange. A light in the brigadier's office. Well, I wonder, can he be working? He didn't say anything. No, no, silly of me. Perhaps he's just forgotten to turn off his light. (gasps) What's that? Oh, dear. Perhaps I'd better investigate. Whoever it is has left the brigadier's door open. I wonder if I can see.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Charles, this is cosy. Just the two of us. Just the two of us.
0: (laughs) Kiss me again, Anne.
4: Greedy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Miss Sidgwick stood there and stared in horror. The brigadier and Miss Franklin were far too occupied to notice the white face staring at them through the open doorway. To say that Miss Sidgwick was in a state of shock would be to put it mildly. She left the building quickly and began to walk.
3: I walked a long way that night through Panton Street into Leicester Square back again into Piccadilly through the seedy streets of Soho and everywhere, everywhere the voice of corruption screamed at me from hoardings, bookshop windows, cinema posters from the white leering faces of men and the painted faces of the women at last I I came to a small square surrounded by iron-backed seats I sat down By now, the numbness I had felt since leaving the office had passed. I remember I sat there, sobbing, feeling like a lost child in a strange land, alone in a city peopled by my enemies. I thought of my father.
0: The devil's
3: army! Fight it, my child! Fight it! And
0: of the brigadier as he used to be. Infiltrate the enemy's ranks, dear lady.
3: I heard the laughter of the men and the women, the noise of the traffic passing by. I I cried out, why am I forsaken? Then, Then an awful thought came to me. Could it be, could it possibly be that I was mad? Hurriedly I pushed the thought to the back of my mind. Then I... I imagined I saw rows and rows and rows of faces, laughing, leering, grinning faces. (laughs) And I wanted to smash them! Smash them! Smash them!
1: (laughs) The next morning, I gather, saw Miss Sidgwick back at her desk, as usual. She rebuked Miss Franklin for her bad typing and greeted the brigadier with reserve. From that time on, she watched both of them, much as a stoat watches a pair of well-fed rabbits, keeping meticulous note of their movements. Each day, she carefully examined the brigadier's desk diary. At last, her vigilance was rewarded. She discovered in the diary an entry for the following Wednesday evening. The brigadier had written, AF, followed by an exclamation mark. The question was, where would they meet? "'Miss Sidgwick decided to make certain. "'On that Wednesday evening, she followed Miss Franklin almost to her front door. "'Then she hid in the shadows and prepared to wait, "'to wait if necessary for hours. "'In fact, her vigil lasted barely half an hour. "'Then Miss Franklin came out of the house "'and began to walk towards the nearby underground station. "'Miss Sidgwick followed.'
3: I remember she was hurrying, but it was quite easy, really, to keep up with her. I followed her along the passage and along the tunnel that led to the ticket office. I can see her now. She was wearing a blue two-piece costume with an incredibly short skirt. She wore high-heeled shoes and she carried a white handbag, which she swung as she walked along. When she reached the platform, she almost stood at the edge doing a little impatient jigging dance as she waited for the train to arrive. The platform was fairly crowded, and I was able to get so close to her that I could smell the cheap perfume she'd obviously drenched herself with. As we waited for the train to arrive, the platform became more and more crowded. I moved closer to her. I began to feel strange, warm excitement. Then, as the train drew nearer and nearer, I leaned forward... You little sluts! You have corrupted God! At the same time, I pushed her hard. Ah! Nobody saw me do it. The platform was too crowded. Then I stepped back and was immediately lost in the crowd as it surged forward. I left the station, made my way back to the office where I knew the brigadier would be waiting. Waiting for her.
0: So here you are at last. Miss Sidgwick. What are you doing here? Is something wrong? No. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Is there something you want to tell me? Yes, Yes, yes. I see. Sit down, won't you? Uh, no? Well, I'm afraid whatever it is, we'll just have to wait until morning. I have an important engagement tonight. No, sir, you have no engagement. Miss Franklin, that
3: slut will will not be coming here tonight.
0: What the devil do you mean?
3: I saw you both of you that night. And since then I've watched watched and waited. <laughs> then tonight I struck.
0: I see. Miss Sidgwick, I think perhaps you'd better sit down. But first, I suggest that you put down that obviously lethal weapon you've been trying to conceal beneath your coat. Oh, but, now, but please, I... Now, please do I, as I say, I, at I, once. I'm not accustomed to having my orders disobey. Thank you. Hmm. A dangerous-looking knife, dear lady. Where did you get it?
3: I, I bought it at the Ironmongers. Nobody knows I've got it. Nobody saw me.
0: I take it that you did not use it on poor Miss Franklin?
3: No. I pushed her under a train.
0: Ah. Did anybody see you?
3: No. Well, that is, I don't think so. It will look like an accident.
0: Well, I suppose we must be thankful for that. Miss Sidgwick, I'm very displeased with you. Did I not say to you in this very office, not so long ago, that you were to infiltrate the enemy's ranks, act as they do? uh, Yes, sir, but... I'm not interested in your excuses... I only want to know why you took it upon yourself to make what I can only describe as managerial decisions. Oh. I am the general in this army, Miss Sidgwick, and I and I alone make the decisions. But I decide who is to be removed. Do I make myself clear?
3: Well, I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't understand.
0: Being sorry would not have been much comfort if you had brought disaster on my entire campaign by your thoughtless and ill-conceived actions, dear lady. I had great plans for you. Great plans. In time, I might well have allowed you to work in the field with me. But now, how can I ever trust you again? Oh, please, please trust me. Oh, please. It's been a glorious campaign so far. Eight of them I've removed, the last one on Wimbledon Common. And the fame of my work has been proclaimed throughout the country. Front-page stuff, too. They came to me, flaunting their bodies, young, eager. For a while, I became as they were. Then I struck... I took them to lonely places. And then... And you, Miss Sidwick, have interfered. You have destroyed the ninth removal. Oh, I'm so very sorry, you see. I didn't know.
3: Please, please forgive me. Oh, please.
0: I do forgive you, dear lady. For I see now that you only acted with the very best intentions. Oh. Yes, I, I forgive you. We have a great task before us, you and I. For you see, dear lady, there are so many, so very many more to be removed.
1: I sat there in that comfortable, warm waiting room, listening to Miss Sidgwick pouring out her dreadful, monstrous, unbelievable story. I sat there stunned, not daring to look her in the face. Then, suddenly, I I was roused from my daze by the arrival of my friend, Dr. Jarvis.
0: Hello, Vincent. Oh, <coughs> hello, Peter. So sorry to have kept you all this time. I got held up on a difficult case. I... Hello, Miss Sidgwick. You here? Oh, yes, sir. I'm just going. I only looked in to see that everything was, um,
3: was as it should be. Well, goodbye. It's been so nice to have
0: someone to talk to.
1: Well, uh, yes, uh, yes, uh, g- uh, goodbye.
0: Bye-bye, dear lady.
1: Peter, that... Um that woman, is she safe? I mean... Uh...
0: <laughs> Miss Sidgwick? Yes. <laughs> yes. Safe as houses. Interesting case, though. I must tell you about it sometime. Yes. Yes, you must. I say, are you all right, old man? I say, you, you do look a bit seedy. <laughs> Fancy you getting stuck with old Mar Sidgwick.
4: <laughs> Excuse me, Dr. Jarvis.
1: We were suddenly interrupted by the arrival of a very pretty young blonde... As she came towards us, I experienced for a moment a strange sense of unreality. For I saw that she was wearing a blue two-piece suit with an incredibly short skirt. She was carrying a white handbag and wore high-heeled shoes.
4: Sorry to disturb you. Yes? I've left the papers for the Peabody case on your desk... But I wondered what you wanted to do about these two. Fredericks and Wilkinson. You did say they were urgent.
0: Good Lord, so I did. I've forgotten all about them. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, I'm not going to have any time today. I'll tell you what. If it's all right with you, why don't we stay on late this evening? Get them cleared away. Who knows? If we get finished quickly, I might even reward you by taking you out to supper. I know a nice little restaurant out near Wimbledon Common.
4: Hmm. that would be nice. Thank you.
0: Right, Miss Davis. That's settled then. Well, come along, old man. You can't stay here ogling our Miss Davis all day. I'll have some coffee sent into my office. We can talk in peace there. Come on. We've got work to do.
1: And work we did. Peter proved a mine of information concerning psychiatry, and I listened to him carefully and made copious notes, but somehow. After that visit, I didn't feel that I had the heart to carry on with my film script. I felt, (laughs) to put it mildly, out of my depth, and so, having thought about the whole thing carefully, I decided that, all things considered, it might be better if I stuck to something simple. It might, I thought, be safer to write a, a, a cookery book, for example, and... That's exactly what I did. That was Vincent Price bringing you The Price of Fear. Also starring in The Ninth Removal were Frida Jackson and Richard Pearson with Claire Sutcliffe, Michael Siegel and Alan Rowe. The Ninth Removal was first recounted by R. Chetwind Hayes, dramatised by Barry Campbell and produced by John Dyers.
2: That's The Horror for this week. There's more from The Price of Fear at relicradio.com. More from The Horror and all of the other Relic Radio podcasts and our Shoutcast stream. Lots to listen to there, all for free, thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Thanks to those who have, thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back tomorrow with Strange Tales and next Saturday with another episode of The Horror.